But um, a couple of us get together every Saturday morning on the corner of the parade and we, we have these big banners that say free healing and then we just invite people to come and we just pray for them and God just does stuff. And um, <coughs> um, I just want to share what happened yesterday. Like it was, as you all know, it was like quite stormy and it was horrible weather and like I certainly didn't want to get out of bed and I was like, no, no, I'm going to get out of bed. And so six of us turned up. So Carly and myself do the free healing every Saturday and then just people turn up whenever. But we've got these four other guys that have been coming like quite regularly and so we all turned up yesterday and like seriously it was at one point started hailing <laughs> and like we don't have any cover so we had to sort of like scoot underneath the bus stop there and but it was amazing because just before it started hailing the sun was out and we just prayed and we were just like God just bring us those people today that you want to just touch and like seriously, um, like we started praying for people. Okay, sorry, I always cry, so if I start crying, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not sad. Um, like people started coming, we started praying for them, and like, but like hectic stuff, like, like people that were oppressed and just like you can see, like had lost all hope. And so we just started praying, and as like, so then we started gathering momentum, like the hail started coming and the rain and there was thunder and there was lightning and we were just like, well Lord, we're not going anywhere. And like people, we had two people that were manifesting demons and we were like, and we prayed and we like, we cast these demons out and these people were like, you cannot believe like from black to white. And that this one woman, like afterwards, like we prayed for about 20 minutes for her and like afterwards she was like, she couldn't stop, she's smiling from ear to ear, just like, she said to us, you know, that God brought her there this morning and she, she didn't know why, but like, and she, she knew that she had some, like, she, she, she kept saying to us, like, I've got these spirits in me or something. And so she knew that she had something in her, but she didn't, like, know what they were. And she said to us, she'd stopped eating because when she realized when she ate, they got upset. And so she stopped eating. <laughs> so she hadn't eaten for, like, ages. And so, like, we just prayed. And, like, eventually these things came out. Like, she was vomiting all over the floor. And, like, it was... And then there was a crowd of people. And it was just, like... Anyway, happy ending. She, like, she was completely delivered. And she just... After, she was just saying, like, I can't believe that God is so good and that he's done this for me. And, like, I'm... She, seriously, she was so happy. And, yeah, and then we prayed for this other lady. She was... She was, um, she, she was standing sort of at a distance watching all of this happening and she came over and she said, um, can you pray for me? And we said, what's wrong with you? And she says, well, I'm a heroin addict. And so we were like, well, that's cool. Jesus can break this. She goes, well, I'm Muslim. <laughs> so we were like, well, Jesus loves you anyway. It doesn't matter if you're Muslim. And so we started praying for her and like we were just praying over the addiction. And then I, just the spirit just came over us all. And like I could see that he was touching her and I said to her, do you know who Jesus is? And she's like, no. So I said, well, do you want to know him? And she's like, yes, yes. And so, and so she, I said, well, would you like to give your life to him? And she's like, yes, I would. So she gave, she, wow. she, wow. sorry. she gave her life to Jesus. And like, you can see that he, like, he visibly like, just touched her. I believe that he healed her of her addiction as well. And, her boyfriend was like standing just further away and he was watching all of this and like he was also Muslim and I ended up talking to him as well and, and just like I, I ended up praying for him as well and he just received it and 
it was so, it was so awesome because there was a lady standing there, like this was just, it was like, it was like wildfire, like it, as somebody saw somebody getting healed, like they were asking for prayer and like there was so much healing happening and this woman had had a sorus for like a year and a half and and I called this lady that had just given her life to Jesus and I said, put your hand on it, we're going to pray for healing and God healed her as well. Through this woman that had just given her life. Sorry. <laughs> Like this woman was so, like you could see, like God had visibly touched her, and like she said, she like she's gonna break the addiction, and I could just see, like God showed me, like her her walking other girls out of addiction, and and I said this to her, and you could just see like life coming into her, and she lives in Mannenberg, and it just so happened that on Friday night we were walking the streets of Mannenberg, declaring over the drug addicts and. The, like the biggest gangs in Mellenburg, <laughs> declaring God's truth over their houses and stuff. And, and so I just happened to know somewhere where she could go in Mellenburg and like get prayer and stuff if she needed like help or whatever. So it was just like God's oh, just, he just like joins all the dots and he's just, anyway, like he healed so many people. Like a guy was blind, like almost blind. He couldn't even read the big golden arrow on the bus. And, and <laughs> we prayed for him and then he could see completely, like fine, he could read like all the way down the road. God just completely healed him and yeah there were just so many healings and God's just like he was so faithful and like he rewarded us for coming out in the hail yesterday and like yeah just just awesome so if you guys want to see God in action just come on a Saturday morning it's awesome like half past 10 to half past 12 it's two hours of a Saturday it's really it's, it's so awesome to watch God in action and this is one sorry last one this is one guy and um, we've been like ministering ministering to him every week he's he used to be a like a gang leader and he's like his whole body's covered in tattoos his face everything and like he said just like people obviously never give him the time of day just because of how he looks and so We've just been praying God's love over him every week. And like every week he comes back, he says, pray for me, pray for me. And he comes for prayer like every week. And tonight I heard that he went to church. So like that's just, like we invited him. Well, the guys are from another church. And so like they just invited him yesterday. And so he turned up tonight at church. So like that's just so awesome. And we have other street people that we've prayed for many times. And like they also just, they come back weekly. And we see them visibly changing like from week to week. You know, like just God's love changing them. Anyway, that's all. I want to um, push the Ben Dunn conference again. We are most, we're all coming, but we haven't all paid. So I just want to, because there's people coming from um, as far as Joburg and different places. So um, if, you, if, you, if you want to come, it would be great, even if you maybe... Actually, there's no reason to not come from a money point of view, so just talk to Luke about that on email. <clears throat> Send him an email from your, uh, from your, like, no one knows your name email if you're embarrassed. Your kids, the one you had when you were a child or something. Like Josh37 at Gmail. Um, but uh, it's, it's two weeks' time, so we'd love to... Get, make sure the numbers, because there's quite a few people who want to come, but we've actually told them we not we can't confirm with you yet because we want to know. It's not. It's it's two weekends. Yeah. And so yeah, I've had some people. There are there are really some people who are flying down from Joburg for the weekend, and there's more of them from Joburg that want to come. And I've said to them, just hang on, because we just want to confirm what our numbers are. So 
Maybe make a reminder on your phone, go home, do an EFT, or email or something, and just pay your fees in. It's going to be an awesome weekend, and Ben's going to be here for a whole week with us, so we'll probably have more than just a conference. It's next Friday, not this coming, the following Friday, uh, the evening, and then the Saturday, um, morning, afternoon, and then on the Sunday from about 2 or 3 into 7. So it's, not, it's quite nice, it's not like a full solid weekend, there'll be times in between, you'll have Saturday night free still. So but go ahead and book for that. Uh, let's pray for Gaz. I really felt when Gaz has got something that he's um, been burning with to share with us and I feel like there's something that, uh, something special Father wants to break over us. Thanks for leaving that door open, that beep is just wild. Father, thank you for Gareth, the way you've used him so powerfully already in all of our lives, and the way you, the way he knows about your love. God, we pray over over this evening, the things he speaks, Lord, that you would really unlock some things in us as he speaks. Unlock things in him, God. Make make it. Make it easy and open for him. But I pray for a blank slate of all of our minds, specifically our thought processes, and the way that the places from where we start our thoughts. As Gaz speaks, he's able to establish us in the true things that you have, have given us and have freed us into God, into who we really have become in you. So I pray for that over all of us right now. In the name of Jesus. Yahoo! One more announcement. Um, trusting in faith that the, the um, DVD is going to arrive this week for Culture of Honor series starting Wednesday, uh, 7 o'clock in this venue. Email will come around as well. But, uh, all welcome. It should be like a full week series, but um, should be starting this week, Wednesday. Thank you. So we've got an exciting three weeks, guys. Next week, I think we've got a guy preaching from uh, Pemba. He does the Harvest School, man who has him. From Brazil, apparently. I mean, he's teaching it with Heidi Baker there at Pemba. He's probably really awesome. So, And then we've got Ben coming. We drove back from Betty's today and we listened to Ben. Guys, it's, it's going to be so awesome. I'm so stoked. Ben's like a, a hero in the gospel for me for unpacking it. So just don't miss it. Do what you've got to do to be there. Um, Cool. Lend me your ears. What did they say in Monty Python? And they cut their ears off and they all do the things. So, lend me your ears. Um, I'm excited to share some thoughts with you guys tonight. Got a little video as well. Two minute video, which is using the media. The church. It's going to be fun. Let me wear my notes. Okay. So my ball's palsy is better. <laughs> Thanks for praying for me. But I heard Ian's cousin had it, and she, I spoke to him the week, and she said, oh, well, I got it. I, it came back at me a few years later, and her face went like that again. So I was praying against that. Hopefully it was just a once-off. But I'm feeling better, so thanks for praying for me, everyone who was praying for me and worrying about me. And Although one person said that it was quite cool and I had a slight little pirate grin. And then if it just stayed like that, it would be quite... 
added some charm, so I'm, I'm not too sure. That. Sure. Um, yeah, I got a lot to some lot in my heart. It's always where I start. But um, yeah, I'm I'm always a bit nervous when I stand up. I have a bit of a stuck record, but um, I just feel like. Can't escape the stuff in my heart to share, and you know there's there's a place where repetition is so crucial in our lives to establish us in truth because our mind needs to be renewed. We've discussed before that even the pathways in our mind form in certain ways that when we we, we have just a natural tendency for our mind to go in that direction, we think a certain thought. But God renews our mind over and over by establishment of the truth. And next thing, when something happens to us, our first thought is that in that direction now. Not in that direction. So God wants to establish us, establish us in the truth. And that just comes by hearing over and over, being massaged in, and by, and by having faith coming into agreement with what God says. And we hear that faith comes by the hearing of the, um, faith comes by, what is it? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the preaching of Christ, what Christ has done. So I just want to continue on those themes, you know, what Christ has done. I wrote you as well, just, you know, who's what's good for hunting? There's a scene when Rob, uh, is it, uh, what's his name, Robbie, no, Matt Damon, what's the old man? He grabs Matt Damon and he says, it's not your fault. And he says, I know. He says, it's not your fault. He says, I know. He says, it's not your fault. He says, I know. And he grabs him, he looks at him, he says, it's not your fault. And he breaks down in tears. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about there's a place where God arrests us with his truth over and over until it's established in us. And we agree with it. And that's, that's kind of like um, what I think a lot of the role of a preacher is, to constantly speak truth over people so that they become established in it, so that they own it for themselves. You own a truth for yourself when you start speaking about it for yourself. When it comes out of your own mouth, when you start sharing it with other people. When it's not someone else's revelation anymore, but it's what you own yourself. And you start sharing it with other people. You know that you can become established in that. So, I just want to share um, two... two Two um, scriptures um, also on this theme of, of being established in truth. It comes out of 2 Peter 1 12. I'm just going to read it out of the mirror. This is, this is Paul speaking. I don't know who he's speaking to, but it's 2 Peter 1 12. If you're looking, he says here, having said, having said all of this, I'm sure that you can appreciate why I feel so urgent in my commitment to you to repeatedly bring these things to your attention. So while I'm still in this bodysuit, I take my lead from the revelation of righteousness. And make it my business to thoroughly stir you until these truths become permanently molded in your memory. In the meantime, I'll do whatever it takes to make it possible for you to always be able to call these realities. Uh, Paul was, to, oh sorry, what am I saying? Peter. Paul. Peter was, had this urgency to establish the people in the churches in truth. You know that there's, there's two frequencies going on over our heads right now. There's a, an AM frequency and an FM frequency. You can understand it in a radio sense. But if we actually look at the spiritual as well, there's an AM, which is the accusation ministry, and there's the FM, which is the Father's ministry. Okay, so right now over us, there, there's AM and FM being spoken over our lives. And when we're establishing truth, we're able to reject the AM ministry. Because it says day and night, he accuses the brethren. Day and night. 24-7, there's accusation coming over our lives against the truth that God wants to establish us in. So we need to be so aware... Of the truth. If you're not establishing the truth, you're going to believe a lie. You're not neutral in what you believe. Yeah. You believe the truth, you believe a lie. And he's the father of lies. And so, when we establish the truth, we can, we can reject the lies that come over us. You know, so I just want to 
I just want to, it's my heart, you know, just to speak truth about who you are, what's available. I love what Carl said there when he was saying, worship God, um, I, want to, I want to, um, what did you say, Carl? You said, I want to have the fullness of your glory. He said, you already have it. You know, that's just truth. We, we can be established on that stuff. And um, I just want to read something out of Hebrews 8, 11. Um, and they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already, and I'll forgive their wickedness, and I'll remember their sins no more. Let's read it again. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. I'll forgive their wickedness, and I'll remember their sins no more. The revelation of righteousness, that you are perfectly righteous in God's sight, apart from anything you do, establishes you in the ability to hear Father's ministry over your life. Any consciousness of sin, which isn't even in God's mind, he says, I'll remember your sins no more, deafens your actual ear to hear the Father's voice over your life. Because God is speaking to you all the time. He's speaking his words of delight. He's speaking his words of intimacy. But when we are not established in the revelation of righteousness, that I am, apart from anything I do, completely beautiful, perfect in his sight, I will have another frequency in my mind. I won't be able to be established in what he's saying over my life. So they're saying, we don't even need to teach each other to know the Lord. But the revelation that you'll remember your sins no more immediately establishes you in the ability to hear His voice over your life. Because God is just speaking favor over us. There's nothing left to speak negative. He spoke anything negative, He spoke it over His Son. And God says, I'll remember your sins no more. What right do you have to bring your sins to attention before God when He doesn't even remember them anymore? Remember them no more. He is not conscious of where you're falling wrong. He's conscious of what he's done right in you. And he wants you to start agreeing with that. So when, when we preach, I want to declare what's right in you. That word metanoia, not repentance, metanoia, to come in. It's meta, which means um, um, to kono, and nus, which means mind. To kono in your mind what God really believes to be true about you. That he's not conscious of your sin. That he sees you as righteous. And, and, and I was on the weekend with Francois, and he, and he used the word satanus. And that word is, nus is also mind, but satanus means Satan the accuser and nus, mind. You see, Satan would accuse you in your, in your mind. And, that, and that's when you start to not be able to hear God's voice over your life. So I just love that, that I don't need to actually teach people here and people around me to know the Lord. But the revelation of what God has done will immediately bring them into everything they need to know about God. They can hear God for themselves. They can hear God for themselves. We just listen to Graham put this week and say the role of a New Testament prophet isn't to hear God. I mustn't come and help Josh hear God for Josh. I must teach him to know that he can hear God for himself. Wow, yes. that, is, that is the role of a prophet in the New Testament. Yeah. Josh, Jackie, everyone can hear God for themselves perfectly, intimately, 24-7. They can hear God's voice over their life. Yeah. We've been running to the next door to hear God's voice for us, but it was never how he wanted us. We're all sons and daughters and we can all hear his voice. So um, yeah, I'm just so yeah, I'm just so um, yeah. For all of us, God really wants to speak. You know, He's got so much to say. And just jumping around, here, I'll get to what I want to say now. But um, thanks, Rick. Um, I just had these words in my head. Oh, like the your greatest wealth. What is your greatest wealth in your life? It's it's the awareness of His nearness in your life. That's your greatest wealth. Oh, yeah. Your awareness of His nearness. 
We think our greatest wealth is something else, but that's the greatest wealth you could ever have, is to be aware. And it's not like, it's so different to say your greatest wealth is to try and hear God. No, your greatest wealth is to be aware because he's already, there's already a frequency coming at you. He's already speaking because of what he's done in Christ. And, to, and, and salvation is becoming aware of what he's already done and what he's already saying. You know what I mean? It's not something we do that we've got to beg him to do something more. There's a frequency going out from the Father, and He wants us to come into agreement with that, that metanoia, that come into agreement with what He's saying, and to shut off the, the negative things we're hearing over our lives. Because the Father is not saying that stuff. So our greatest wealth, you know, it's the, it's the awareness of His nearness. And I've just heard those words that Paul said to pagans, absolute pagans on Mars Hill. He said, in Him you live and move and have you been. Your poets have indeed said you're the offspring of God. He said that to pagans. Isn't that amazing? The revelation required that everyone was now included in what God was saying over mankind. In Him we live and move and have our being. And as we're worshipping, we just went to another gear with God's presence. I really just thought, like, why do we, why do we engage with God now that we switch, we, we switch off after worship stopped for the preach? You know, God's presence should be flowing even more in the preaching. And when you leave the, when you leave the, when you leave the room, it should be just the same. There's no, there's no difference. This is just, the worship is just a vehicle for us to have a heightened experience of what God's saying. And you know we've, we've got, we've got this terrible place where we've, um, you know, we've got our relationship with God in boxes, and we switch them off, and we go back, we go back to, to life, you know, and it's, and it's, God is just wanting to be in us and through us all the time, and speaking to us all the time. Our closing thoughts, our waking thoughts, all the time speaking to us. Exactly. So, yeah, now I've stopped my preach. I've, um, I've um, so loved the Olympics. I don't know if you guys have been enjoying it. Who's been hearing God speak to them through the Olympics? Has He been speaking prophetically about stuff in the Olympics? I've got back to Jim. <laughs> God's, it's so wonderful to know that God doesn't just speak to us when we're at church, but He's speaking to us through everything. And I've just loved watching the Olympics and for God to speak. You know, I was, I watched that opening ceremony, such a, maybe this isn't in your journey, but I've always had such a problem with like, I came from the, the Leonard Ravenel days, Luke, when you'd say that, that entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy, you know? And anything of the, anything of the world is of the flesh, you know, and TV and all the man's entertainment and the fireworks, it's all of the flesh, you know. And I was watching the Olympics and I was just so, it was so creative, the opening ceremony, and I thought, wow, this is so brilliant what these brilliant poems have done, you know. <laughs> Funny bastards. I was, I was, this is so creative and it's so brilliant and it's such a, it's such a, it glorifies man, it glorifies the flesh. I, I thought God say, I love it too, you know. I love watching this. This is awesome. This is, this is, this is creativity that I've created and I love to see it displayed in mankind. It was such a shift for me to think like it because I've always thought uh, God only really appreciates me when I'm praying, when I'm worshiping, when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm doing my spiritual stuff, you know. But God is, God is so much more than that. You know, I, was, I shared some thoughts on, on what I loved in the Olympics. You know, that who, who saw the guy who won the 800 meters, the Kenyan? What was his name? Reducia. That oak, it was like he was just born to run. Yeah. It was so graceful. It was like the glory of God when you watched that oak run. It was so obvious. How can you miss it? Then, then it was like he was perfection in his running. And I, and I just thought, every one of us has something alive in us when we come and do what we're made to do, our talent, 
and just displays the glory of God. And God is so interested in our in how He's uniquely made us to display that thing. He's so interested in your life, you know. Mm. I thought for so long God was just interested in when I was being spiritual. But He's so interested in your life. When when you do what you do, even if you, you think you're doing the most boring thing. But when you're doing your accounting, he loves the logic and the, the organization and that ability to do that. He loves you when you're doing the thing that you're good at. And um, yeah, just you know, just watching that the Olympics just has been such an eye-opener to the glory of God alive in man and, and how it glorifies him and how God doesn't want our, our, the sacred to be separate from the secular. He wants it all to be one, you know. And you know, we've I even had a go like when Rob Barry produced that video, Everything is Spiritual. But that looks so right, you know. Everything is of God, an expression of God, you know. God's so creative. And, um, yeah, just I wrote there, you know, even watching people win those medals, you know, there's such a, such a display of the image and likeness of God and celebrating your success and the joy. I've loved it. So I just want to continue on that theme a little bit. I've just got two themes like tonight. The one was um, the incarnation, incarnation. Everyone know what that is? What's the incarnation? When God became a man, that's the incarnation. I'm sure you know that. I want to share a little bit of thoughts on the incarnation, what exactly it is, and I want to share on um, adoption. I just feel like I really want to hit some of those truths before um, Ben comes as well, because he's going to just unpack it for us so much more. So I'm going to read you guys. Can we listen to me? Um, it's going to be, I know you're listening already, but you've got to listen, you've got to, listen to a bit of a, a long story here. Why did Jesus become a man? Good question. Um, what immediately comes to your mind? I'm going to hope you to break something down here which says that God became man to forgive our sins. I want to, I want to make that thing bigger tonight. Okay. I'm going to just unpack that a little bit. I'm going to read this to you. I read a story a while ago, it's the same guy's name is Baxter Kruger. He's written an awesome book, it's called The Great Dance. I just want to read this story. This is him telling a story. I had a carpenter working on my house not long ago, he was a Christian. And I asked him if he ever thought about how Jesus Christ relates to his carpentry. He said, no, not really. I guess Jesus makes me an honest carpenter. The minute he said that, I thought, I thought to myself, is that it? Is that all we have to say to the carpenters of the world, the engineers, the designers, the artists? Is that all we have to say to the doctors and nurses and teachers of the world, to cooks and fishermen and janitors? Jesus will make you honest. He can save you and get you into heaven when you die. And in the meantime, well, that's about it. So I just want to establish some misconception I feel we've had with the gospel. So he goes on to talk about this here. The gospel in the Western world begins with the statement that God is holy, holy in the legal sense. The human race fell into sin and is liable to punishment. Jesus Christ, against this backdrop, comes to satisfy, satisfy the holiness and justice of God on the cross. The guilt of the human race is placed upon Jesus Christ, and God's punishment for sin is poured out upon him. God's justice is satisfied and we are forgiven, completely clean. Heard that before? So I'm going to keep uh, moving that on for us. In this model, some things have gone disastrously wrong. First, the overall picture has been lost. Gone is the great dance of the Trinity, an astonishing vision of a Father, Son, and Spirit reaching out to share their life and glory with us. 
In its place, we have a divine legalist who is extremely upset over human failure and sin, and we have Jesus coming to rescue us. There is no way to escape the devastating notion implicit here that Jesus comes to rescue us from God. The death of Jesus Christ is now aimed at God rather than at human corruption and alienation. Jesus comes to do something to God to satisfy his white-gloved legalities, even to change God so that we can be forgiven. Second, the cross has suddenly replaced Jesus himself as the point of eternal significance. In what I was saying before, Jesus is the place where the divine and the human come together. He is the place where they meet and are united. He became human so that he could connect us as the mediator between the divine life for us. This is one of the church fathers, St. Arrhenius, puts it. Our blessed Lord Jesus Christ became what we are in order to, to bring us what he is in himself. I just became so aware of that this week. I've been thinking in that thoughts, you know. We've had the gospel so wrong, you know. God would still have come as Jesus even if there was no sin. Because God has forever identified himself as a man. Right now in heaven is a man. And there will always be a man in heaven. Because God wanted to permanently unite himself with mankind. And the only way he could do it was through Christ. And we are now in Christ. United to God. That's why the incarnation, the incarnation is so much more than just the cross and forgiveness. It's the revelation that God wants to unite himself to us. And that is, that is just so unbelievably important to us. And it shatters that notion of how I'm relating to God. And um, I just want to hear, just before I, we watch a little video, I just want to read, do, do we get that? Do you see what I was saying there, how the, the, the cross has become more important, more important than God becoming a man? It was just so important than God to reveal himself as man, to help us understand who we are in, in him as well. Maybe it's quite deep, but I, I, I just feel like I wanted to share that tonight. Um, and then this last bit, before the Mateka come up here. Third, thirdly, justification is overemphasized to the point of replacing adoption as the heart of the Christian message. The gospel here is all, about, is all about being forgiven. It is true, of course, that forgiveness is part of the message. Thank God. We're all in need of God's forgiveness. But it's not the whole truth. It is not even part of the story. Forgiveness serves a higher goal, and that higher goal is our inclusion in the life of the Trinity. That is what God is after in sending Jesus. But in the Western model, the higher goal is virtually forgotten. Justification has so dominated the landscape of Christian thought that adoption has been marginalized. We don't hear much about our adoption at all. We hear a lot about forgiveness, but very little about the staggering reality of our inclusion in Jesus' relationship with His Father and the Spirit. We are participating in the, in the Son's perfect relationship with the Father. That's so inspiring. There's so much life in understanding that. That we don't even have to try and live the Christian life. That Christ lives it through us, for us. He ignites us in us and we're able to live it out. And you know, the cross was an establishment of innocence for us. But innocence was for intimacy. You understand that? God doesn't come and do everything on the cross just to make us clean in His sight. He wants us innocent in His sight because of intimacy. He wants intimacy with us. He wants to declare how pleased and how delighted He is over us. And you know, I want to watch a little video. Who's seen this video? It's an interview with Chad Leclerc's father. Check this video and just listen to God's voice prophetically in this video. Just listen to His prophetic voice. I watched this thing and straight away God just said, this is my heart over you. Just listen to the Father's delight in the Son in wake of His performance. Just just check it out. 
Men you are the tech, you are tech man. Zephaniah, Jehovah Jireh spins over you. You know what I mean? It's so, it's, it's so hard to, to, to try and give that to someone if they don't understand that. But God really delights in you. He really does delights in you. He's so mindful of you. His mind is full of thoughts of you. We need to be established in that. That's your great wealth. Your greatest wealth is to be aware of the Father's heart of delight over you. That His pleasure is in you. And it's not wishful thinking. It is reality. And when you can be established in those things, it will make a world of difference to you. You'll be so found in Him, so established in Him, you won't be tempted by the things in the world that draw people away. That is the only thing that's drawing people away. 
is that actually the inability to hear what God's saying, so they go other places. So, you know, I, I just, I just, I just love the prophetic, the prophetic in that. You know, God's just so delights. Yeah. And you know, I shared a few weeks ago. My sister's had a baby, and <laughs> my sister and everyone who's had a baby, you know, but that little baby farts, and my sister sends me a video. You know, it's, it, it burps. Anything, it twists its head. It, it, it's the first time the kid manages to sit up. You know, and it's this highlight of the parents. But it's another prophetic picture, once again, of God's heart. Because He's given us, on earth, parents and children as if it's all prophetic. It's all a picture of the Father's heart. And God just so desperately wants us to be established in it. You know, He, he wants us to know it. And he really wants us to, to know it so deep down. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a scripture in, I think it's Romans 8, 8. It says, in the bliss of our salvation, we cry, Abba, Father. You know, and that Joseph Prince talks about it. It says that word, Abba, Father, is what they, 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 the kids cry out in Jerusalem. And this, when they go and play on the merry-go-rounds, they cry, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's a childish, childish word that gets called out. And in the bliss of our salvation, we cry, Abba, Father. It will make the world of a difference to us to just be continually established in FM frequency over our lives. And you know, the way to block out AM frequency is to understand what has happened in Christ. That we're in Christ, that everything that was against us was dealt with in Christ and that we've been raised with Him. We don't have to have wishful thinking when we feel accusation against us. There's a document of truth that Christ was risen that stands in defense of us. There's a mediator that stands in defense of us. And we need to come into agreement with that. And we'll start to hear the Father's voice. And just to finish off, you know, I also just had a... I thought God would just continue to remind ourselves in these things just to be more established. And it's um, along those lines of adoption. And um, it's such a picture in the week of adoption, once again, that adoption is like a father with a massive vineyard and a massive estate, beautiful property, and we're the kid there, and we're the son who's, who's going to, or the daughter who's going to be inheriting the land of the father. You know, I went to, a, this thing was so struck me, I went to a, another church a while ago with my friend Roger, and he went to preach. And they, they, they had a, a, a place where people came up and, and the, the, the priest would have laid hands. And every time the person came up, the guy laid hands and said, Lord, we thank you for your servant. Lord, we thank you for your servant. And God just showed me that that guy was putting that person straight into bondage by declaring over them that their first identity before God is one of servant. Straight away, when you say to someone, your identity in God is one of being a servant, you've missed the whole gospel. Yeah. It's about adoption. Yeah. And you can lead someone to such bondage when they think that they are servant of the Lord. No. We are sons and daughters who love to serve with our Father. It's such a key difference. And I just wanted to share some stuff between the difference between being a servant and being a son, being a daughter. And we've got to check our own thinking that we are agreeing with God, that we are metanos, agreeing with what he says, not with satanos, agreeing with the accuser. The first question that slave, a slave, imagine a huge estate and a beautiful property. The first question that the slave will come and ask the owner, the estate, the father, he'll come and say during the day, what must I do? The slave will come and ask him what he must do for the day. That's never the son's question to the father. The son would never dialogue with his father like that. 
A slave is rewarded according to his performance by the father in his contract of his work. It's a place of reward according to work and also non-reward according to non-work. But the son, his reward is that he has everything already because he's inheriting it. So there's no relating to the father according to any sense of performance. That's just so freeing. Everything belongs to him already. A slave can get kicked out of the estate if he messes up on his contract. Adoption says we can never, ever again be removed. Our surname is changed. Adopted. How would a father adopt someone and kick him out of the family? Your surname changes when you be adopted by the father. We're the children of God. But a son, a slave is never quite sure if he belongs, if she belongs, because they can be kicked out. A son has access to everything of the father's on the estate. But the slave can only access the parts where he's contractually allowed to, in his own mind and in the contract. A slave goes in and out. Sorry, a son goes in and out all the time. Slave's a slave's identity is based on what he can do during the day and his performance and his work. A son's identity is purely based on the father's pleasure. If the son does nothing to lift him one more finger on that farm, on the father's estate, who is he still? Nothing has changed. He's still identified by the father's love. But the slave is based on what he can do. Sons can go in and out of the courts at will. Everything belongs to him. But slaves can only go where they are designated. Sons enjoy all the father's resources. Slaves have no ownership, no access to the father's resources. I just, I just wanted to highlight those things again. Stuff we know, but because it's God and because he's big and because we think he's far, because we think he's holy, we, we somehow allow that stuff to slip back into our mind. But the father wants you just to be established again tonight in adoption. In adoption. We're in Christ. We're in Him. We're in Him. We're in Him. We're in Him. It's so beautiful. And you know, it's not wishful thinking. I, I for so long thought I had to drum up the faith to believe this stuff. I just want to finish off on this. But Romans, I wish I knew where the version says, it's from faith to faith. God already believes something to be true. He has established those things. Our faith is to come into agreement with what He's already established. We aren't in a place of negotiating these truths with God. He has established them and established, established them. And the preaching of these things is to help people come into agreement with them. Faith is coming into agreement with what's already true. So I can, I can declare the most brilliant stuff over you. And it's true. That's why it says, beholding him as in a mirror. When I see him, I see myself. It's not window dressing. When I... Shop dress, you know what's window dressing when I go shopping and I stare at something in the, in the shop and I say, I would love one day to have that. I'm looking through and I, I want that one day, but the gospel is the mirror. As we stare into it, we see ourselves back in what he's established. All of, all of the gospel is about Jesus and all of Jesus is about you. It's just so free to now discover ourselves in the gospel, to read the scriptures, to find that what's true about him is true about us. I'm so excited to go and read the scriptures now. I'm so excited to go and discover how wealthy I am. You know, if, if I said to one of you, I've put a gazillion bucks in your bank account, you would first have to, um, you'd first have to believe it was true, and that would only give you the confidence to go and access, and I'd have to tell you. So the preaching is to tell somebody how wealthy they are, to tell them what they have, and then they'll go and actually go and access that stuff themselves because they believe it to be true. So what God has established in Christ is true about you. 
And um, it's his faith, and he's asking us to come into agreement with it. So we met in this, we, we come into an agreement with what he's established. And you he's established so much over our lives. Um, let me just see if I had any other things written here. If you look at Paul's life, he only prayed two prayers. He said, thank you, and he said, open my eyes. Why was he, why, what was the revelation? Why didn't he do that? Why didn't he, why didn't he ask for more? Or ask, you know, he, he doesn't, you read Paul's writings, it was thank you, and open the eyes of my understanding. And he said, I only, he mentioned, he doesn't mention Jesus' miracles, he doesn't even talk that much about Jesus, Paul. He mentions it once. He says, I'll boast in one thing. Him and him crucified the cross because he knew at the cross something was established. That one moment, everything changed, everything happened. And from then on, he had two prayers thank you and open my eyes. And that must be our dialogue with God. Thank you, open my eyes to what I have. And you know, just drop a few lines here <laughs> that, I, that I heard when I You know, worship is simply the recognition of the union we're really in. It's once again, it's recognizing, it's coming to the awareness of what's already happened. And worship is just this, the spontaneous thing that happens when we become aware of these things. It just starts to spontaneously come out of us. You don't have to well it up. It spontaneously comes out of us. And you know, I was, I was thinking uh, this week as well, we, we say, God, give me an encounter. But don't pray for an encounter. Thank God that you are in union with Mr. Encounter. What a difference that I stop asking for something I have. I reckon we, we pray so much for stuff God says I've already given it to you. Yeah. You really are that. Oh God, change me. Oh God, change me. I have changed you. God, give me a pure heart. You have a pure heart. God, I don't want to battle that anymore. I've dealt with it. God, I need, I need your presence. You have my fullness. Do we pray like that? You know, when we start praying like that, we start to give Him the glory and we come in tune with what heavens already knows to be true. God wants us to have a new language of prayer, a new language of faith, and we'll actually start to step into what's already available. The disciples never asked God to heal anyone. They just commanded it. They just knew who they were. They were walking in such a revelation of who they were that their shadows were healing people. Because they were so soaked in who they were and who we all are. There's no difference between them and them, but they had the revelation of who they were. And their shadow was healing people. The power of God is on us and in us already. We need to... We need to, we need to um, our dialogue and conversation with us must never be to bring out the negative, but it must be to evoke the positive in each other. To declare not how you've messed up, but how righteous you are. That should be our conversation. God doesn't deal with sin anymore. He deals with righteousness. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He's not even dealing with sin anymore. The only important truth is the righteousness He's put in us, in our substance. That is who you are. You are more than a conqueror. Don't go wimping around and asking God to do something. He's already said you're more than a conqueror because Christ lives, Christ lives in you. So start believing who you are. Start coming into agreement with who you are. Your, your, our, our language, our moaning and our grumbling and our complaining and our frustrations is like the language of hell. It really is. The language of heaven declares that Christ is in you and that you're more than a conqueror. Not just by that He's covered us, but by the very substance of who you are. Christ in you. 
more than an, more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. That is who lives in you. That is who you are. And it's not wishful thinking. It's the gospel truth of what he's done. And we need to start using that language. And we catch ourselves using the wrong language. We need to say, no, I'm not going to agree with those things anymore. There's a whole awesome Romans 3.27. I saw George and Banoff translate it. It says, the whole plane of the gospel has changed. It is no longer achieving. It is on the plane of believing. That is the new plane of the gospel. What Christ has established and us as sons and daughters coming to an agreement of it. And you know, when this is preached, when Christ is preached, when the love of God is preached and what He's done, faith just jumps up in you. Is faith jumping up in you to come into agreement with it? It comes naturally to us because we're designed to believe like that. I don't have to wear it up. And so the, the level of the teaching that you submit yourself to will be the ceiling that you yourself will walk into. If you're going to submit yourself to a low level of teaching, a low level of revelation, a low level of people speaking over your life, saying who you are, what you are, that is the level you're going to walk in. But if you surround yourself with people who call out righteousness in you, who call out who you are, you, you surround yourself with anointed teaching and preaching, that will now be the ceiling you'll start to walk in. That's why I get so excited when a guy like Ben comes. He's going to unlock with revelation who you are already. He's not going to come teach us anything new. He's going to tell us with authority what's already true about us. And that's just so exciting. And you know, Julian Adams, they've said this one, a true accountability in the New, the new Testament is not to, for me to keep co-accountable on, on, on doing the right thing. It's, it's for me to be accountable telling who, who you are. That's true accountability. New Testament accountability is for me to tell you how amazing you are. That's accountability. Not too for us to struggle with our, 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 um, our sin and what we struggle. Yeah, there's a place where we fellowship on that. True accountability is for me to constantly be telling you who you are, how amazing you are, what's in you, what's possible. Because I start to call that out of you. That's what we should, what should, we should be doing as a community, is calling each other out on what is already, what is already in each of us. And I was also just thinking this, this week, you, the, the, the most beautiful unity will come into the church when I know that the same Christ in Carl is the same Christ in me. Why do people, when they watch the Stormers or try, all jump up in unison? Because they're sharing something. They're sharing the Stormers, so there's unity and there's a celebration. But how great... When is that? It, that? Well, <laughs> the Sharks. Occasionally when the Stormers come. Okay, but when a goal is scored in soccer, you know what I'm saying? There's a unity because something has happened. But how great the unity when we discover Christ in each other. And I know that the Christ in you is the Christ in me. The perfection in you is the perfection in me. I want to look into your eyes and just say, you're amazing. And you look into my eyes and we discover that the body of Christ is each of us in that perfection. Displaying it perfectly as Cal. Displaying it perfectly as Josh. As Jackie. A little Christ. So beautiful. There should be such unity in the church. There should be such an, an amazement when we come together. But we're so aware of each other's faults. We're so critical. But we're not aware of the beauty and perfection in each other. We should move to the highest, most beautiful degree of unity. And people will just start coming and saying, what is that? You know, when we walk out these truths, people will just come in. People will just come in. When you walk around with... No consciousness of condemnation, the Father's heart of your life. People just say, what is that? And the church walks around with that unity. People just want to come in. What is that? Evangelism. John Crowder says, the fishies will just jump into the boat. <laughs> it's true. They'll want to be here. What is that? 
What is that presence that surrounds your life? I hope we can be that people. Mm. Should we stand? Mm. God for yourself, you know, as I was saying, God wants to speak to you, just you personally about stuff. You know, God's, I want to read this again to some of you, I just, this, this from Ecclesiastes 9-7, I just want to establish God is so interested in your life, He's so interested in the details of your life, if it matters to you, it matters to God. Do you believe that? The thing you're going through, does, if it matters to you, it really matters to him. the small details, what you do with your waking hours, your work, your relationships. It really, really matters to the Father. That's what it means to be in His family. And um, I just want to share this. this I sent this to Josh. There's such, a, there's such a normality to actually just being in God. Bucky, you said it, during the, you said it to me the other night. I'm loving life. We, we, we've, we've almost felt ashamed that I'm loving life too much. And I should be loving God. God wants you to love life. Wants you to love life. And this is Ecclesiastes 9 7. I don't know where this translation comes from, the dodgy back alley translation. But anyway, seize life, eat bread with gusto, drink wine with a robust heart. Oh, yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. And this maybe is good for our church. Dress festively every morning. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. Relish wife, relish life with a Relish, relish wife. No, wait. Relish life with the spouse you love. Each and every day of your precious life. Each day is God's gift. The message. Relish life with the spouse you love. Okay, maybe one day. Each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift. I just want to break off over anyone who feels like your details of your life don't matter. God is, you know. If, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God had no gender for them. He just gave them the whole plant and said, enjoy it. You know, we become so desperate to do something for God, we just want you to live your life. And live it well. Live it in your talents. Live it in your passions. God is so keen for you just to come alive in who you are. You're so unique in who He's made you to be. There's only one of you. You're such a unique expression of Christ. God loves it when you're just doing what you do naturally. He loves it when you writing, drawing, thinking. Sure. He loves them when you're doing nothing. But we're just so aware of the Father who's just so conscious of us and knows us so well and loves the simple stuff. Yeah, Father, help us to just live life well. Yes. <clears throat> Paul said, who's, who's, come and, who's come and complicated things for you? Who's... who's Who's, who's confused your way from the simplicity of Christ? The simplicity. Doctrines of man. Strange teachings of religion. Thank you, Father. Won't you just release over us now, Lord, just that sense of our uniqueness, who we are. Your delight, your pleasure, just our lives, Lord. And the fact that if we never do one thing ever again for you, God, you are just as delighted. Just as pleased, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wipe away all that sense of needing to serve, of needing to do something for you, Lord. 
He said, thank you, God, that you want to impress us. You're not interested in us impressing you. Lord, and that revelation will lead to such awesome fruit. The only job of the, the vine is just to be conscious that it's in, sorry, the only, conscious, the only role of the branch is to be aware that it's in union with the branch. The <laughs> only point of the vine, branch, more wine, of the branch is to be conscious that, oh my gosh, the only role of the branch is to be aware that it's in the vine. <laughs> Glory. Yeah. Mm. You know, the more you try, the more you're conscious of trying to get it right, the more you've alienated yourself from the very source that will help you to get it right. We need to be Christ conscious. Then you'll produce the fruit. Performance, right, wrong, consciousness won't get you anywhere. Any focus on, any focus on lack has alienated you from the very thing that's trying to actually deliver you from that thing. We need to forget being conscious of our sin. It's not going to lead you in circles. Because your focus is now on the very thing. You're alienating yourself. Do you see it? You've alienated yourself from the very thing that can deliver you. Oh. It's like a stupid branch saying, I've got to grow fruit. I've got to grow fruit. I've got to grow fruit. And all along it's not sucking up the nutrients from the vine. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that we'll just be so much more aware of, of you, Father, of your presence. Thank you, God, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you, Lord. saying and I just want to rebuke any of you thinking that it doesn't extend to you. Yeah. This is for everyone. Yeah. All the sinners. Such delight. want to share anything, please come up. What God's saying to you, might encourage someone, maybe pray for someone. Um, I, need, I know guys was going on about the Olympics and it's really great and all, but um, I mean there's such a mentality we can get, which is uh, this Olympic competition mentality is not, not just necessarily doing works for God, but this, this need inside of us to be right, to, to, to be accepted by friends, to impress people, to, to excel. And it, 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 can, it, can, it can eat people up and it can, it can really ruin you because you feel like you're inadequate because you'll never be there. And if we get to the top and you're there, you're always fearful of the fact that you might fall down. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I felt even before the, the, the preach that God wanted to just, just, just tell people it's not an Olympic competition, it's a drinking competition. Um, and you know, your job isn't to be this Olympian Christian or this Olympian uh, South African or, or whatever it is. It's, 
is to be someone who's, who's incredibly good at, at, at taking down the, the wine of the new covenant, which is God's grace and His lavishness and His love for you and His, and his, and his, his power to, to let us, His love change your, your actual substance. He's not just interested in changing our characters, he's interested in imparting a different substance to us. And it's just what God wants to do for you. I feel like what would be nice is maybe, why don't you just, um, if you feel like God's presence on you, go and bless someone with God's presence. That's just such a key to unlocking so much, you know? God's presence. He really wants us to be so aware of how near He is. He really wants us to be so near. It's not a place where we've got to, it's like God's pressing into us. <laughs> he really is. He really, really is. Um, just to carry on with the Olympic theme. Um, carry the <laughs> yeah. I've just had such a wonderful sense during the worship. Um, the whole time I've been watching the Olympics, everything is so spectacular. Those runners run and it's spectacular. And I just felt God was saying to us as a community, that we might be in this warm, cozy upper room in Woodstock, but we are spectacular. We are spectacular. And just like we have sat in awe of watching all the spectacularness of the Olympics, we will impart his spectacular to this community without even trying. Something that I was just saying during the sermon was that um, just like the truth that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against powers and principalities of darkness. And I kept seeing the cross, and Jesus just kept telling me, look at the cross and let that inform your reality. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, yeah I just want to say